You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. The Bible reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 15 to 19. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Thanks, Kay. Good morning, everyone. My name's Tim. I'm the senior minister here at St. John's. Uh, It's great that the kids do have some activity sheets if they need them, but I have uh, prepared this talk for young and old, I hope, and uh, I'm going to need some help from the children uh, as well at various points. So I might be asking for some helpers uh, and volunteers. Uh, So kids, um, uh, wait out for that. Uh, I've had some spectacular failures in my life. Uh, some years ago, I was cooking dinner uh, just for Anna and I. This was uh, BC, before children. Um, and I was cooking a salmon tortilla. Uh, yes, I know, he's a gourmet chef as well um, as a ruggedly handsome, etc. Uh, <laughs> eggs, cream, sun-dried tomatoes. Okay, so it was the 1990s where everything had sun-dried tomatoes in it. Delicious. Anyway, I cooked it up. It looked great. I served it out on the plates. Uh, We took a few mouthfuls and then Anna turned to me and said, Tim, did you put any salmon in this? (laughs) Yes, that's correct. I cooked a salmon tortilla and forgot to put salmon in it. Um, There's even a clue in the name, salmon tortilla, but I forgot to put the salmon in it. Now, In the broad scheme of things, in terms of failures and silly things that we do, that's relatively minor and didn't really have lasting consequences. But there's been other times when I've made mistakes which have been more serious. Uh, Scraping the panels on the side of my car against uh, a bull bar on a ute in the back streets of Hawthorne. Uh, Only last year, going to the ATM down near the IGA here in Diamond Creek and then realising later in the day that I didn't have any money in my wallet, which 
meant that I'd actually left the $200 still in the ATM and walked away. And when I went back, you wouldn't believe it, it wasn't there. <laughs> so those mistakes had financial consequences. They were more serious. But I think more serious still, if we reflect on the failures in our lives, that the things that we most often regret are the mistakes that impact people. Maybe a careless or stupid word that we have spoken, maybe a time that we've failed to speak up when we should have spoken, which has impacts for relationships, leading to a breakdown in relationships between friends, maybe even estrangement within our families. The things that impact our relationship with people, I think, are the ones that we regret the most, the failures that we're most sorry about. And they're hard to speak about. Maybe for you there's some things that you're thinking about in your own life uh, which really maybe no one else knows about. There's a sense of failure and shame and pain because of something that you have failed to do in your life. And we carry those with us often, and sometimes we think that these sorts of failures in our life means that God wouldn't want us because we have failed in these spectacular ways. Or maybe if we think, well, you know, I know God would accept me, but we think, but he couldn't use me. The failure is too big. There'd be too many limitations and restrictions in terms of what God could actually do with my life because of my failure. Well, the background to this reading from John's Gospel uh, is failure, spectacular failure on the part of Peter. And it's the sort of failure that was life-changing sort of failure. Now, we need to understand two things that have happened earlier in the gospel story in order to understand what's going on in this interaction between Jesus and Peter. So I need some helpers. I need three children to come and sit at this table. You just need to sit at the table here. Um, can I have three children? First three in. Come on down. There's small chairs for adults. So, yep, come on down. Yep, come on down. Up you come. We've got three moving. It's great. Or four. Five. Great. Okay, so you come and sit at this table or gather around the table. Now, I need three other children, but I've pre-picked these three. It's my children, and they're going to come and stand around the campfire. Um, think of it as practice kids for what we're going to be doing for the next ten weeks. Um, we're going on long service leave starting tomorrow, and we're going in a camper trailer, so this is practice for them. They're pre-picked for that. Okay. So the background to this interaction between Jesus and Peter on the beach that Kay read to us is two other things that have already happened in the Gospel of John. So Jesus gathered with his friends for a meal. Uh, we call it the Last Supper. It was the last meal that Jesus had with his followers before he died. And at that meal, as they had food and uh, bread and wine together, Jesus told his friends that one of them was going to betray him. He was speaking about Judas, who would betray Jesus, tell the authorities where Jesus was so that he was arrested. But Jesus also said that all of his friends, when he was arrested, would run away. They'd leave him, abandon him, and he'd be left on his own. And when Jesus said this, Peter said... Jesus, even if everyone else runs away and leaves you, I will never leave you. I'm willing to go to prison with you, Jesus. 
I'm willing to die with you, Jesus, he boasted. And Jesus said, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will have denied three times that you even know me. So that's background that we need to know. And then later that night, when Jesus was arrested, when Judas betrayed him and he was arrested in the garden, all of his friends ran away. They abandoned him as Jesus predicted would happen. Uh, John and Peter followed Jesus to the high priest's house where he's been taken. And John is able to get inside the house, but Peter has to stay outside around the fire in the courtyard with the other servants. And he's standing there with the servants, warming his hands. And then one of them says to him, Are you a follower of Jesus? I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And then a little bit later, one of the others said to him, You're from Galilee, you have to be a follower of Jesus. No, I'm not. And then a little while later, one of, them, uh, one of the other ones said, I saw you in the gardens. You are one of Jesus' followers. Look, I don't even know this man that you guys are talking about. And then, oh, <laughs> cock-a-doodle-doo. Mum, she's been practising that all... No, no, she hasn't. <laughs> We've been joking all week that Mum's the rooster. I put her on the spot there. The rooster crowed. And Peter was so ashamed because he had denied knowing Jesus. Uh, thank you, helpers. You can go and grab a seat again. Thank you. Give him a clap. So you need to keep in mind both of those incidents as we look at this interaction between Jesus and Peter. When Jesus says to Peter... Do you love me more than these? I think he's got in mind the fact that Peter has boasted that even though everyone else abandons you, I will never abandon you. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And then the fact that Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? It echoes the three times that Peter denies even knowing Jesus. That's why in verse 17, when we read that, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. It's because it's an echo of the three denials that Peter has just made. And the tone of this interaction is solemn and it's stern because Jesus knows that Peter has failed him and Peter knows that he has failed Jesus. Uh, do you notice that even though when I've been telling the story, I've been using the name Peter... Jesus never uses that name in the story that we've just read. John, who's narrating the story, calls him Simon Peter. But every time that Jesus speaks to him, he calls him Simon, son of John. He doesn't call him Peter. Peter's the nickname that Jesus has given him when he became his follower. The name Peter means rock, solid, because Jesus wants to build his church on this guy, Peter. He's rock solid. He's going to be the foundation for what uh, Jesus is going to do through the church. And yet, Peter hasn't acted like a rock. He's acted like a jellyfish in what has happened. And so, Jesus avoids using the name because Peter knows that he's failed 
and Jesus knows that he's failed too. Failure hangs in the air as the background to this whole interaction. And as we think about our own failures in our life, it's helpful to think about those in light of this story. Because I think often when we fail, and particularly when we think of the things that we're most ashamed of, that maybe no one else knows but us, or very few people, and they're still embarrassing and difficult to talk about, we often feel like we're alone, that we're isolated, that we're the only one who's made such a stupid mistake, or someone who's done such a shameful thing. But this is a reminder that we're in good company, that we all fail, and here is Peter who has walked alongside Jesus, been taught by Jesus himself, who has failed spectacularly. Jesus knows our failures. He's not unaware of them. He's not surprised by them. He knows everything that we have done in our lives, just like he knew what Peter had done. So Jesus knows about Peter's failure. He doesn't ignore it. He doesn't just gloss over it and pretend it didn't happen. So what does he do? Well, Jesus essentially says, I know about it, but I forgive you. Now, forgiveness is not named explicitly in this Bible passage. Uh, We move from Peter's failure to the task that Jesus gives him to do, which I'll cover in a minute. But forgiveness is explicit throughout John's Gospel. Right at the start of John, uh, we see John the Baptist pointing to Jesus and saying, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So right from the start of John's Gospel, we're to understand that Jesus' very purpose in his life and through his death and his resurrection is to offer forgiveness, to give his life as a sacrifice so that failures can be dealt with, so that sins can be forgiven. The message of the gospel is that in the Lord Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven, even our biggest failures and even our most shameful secrets can be dealt with in the cross of Jesus. That's the very purpose of Jesus coming and living amongst us. Now, although we know that well, that through his death on the cross and his resurrection, Jesus offers us forgiveness, I think sometimes we find that hard to get our heads around and believe, even if we've heard it many times. I remember sitting on the doorstep of my house and having a chat uh, with one of my mates uh, late into the night uh, one day. And it was one of those deep moments where you're talking about the deep things of life. I was able to share a bit about my faith in Jesus and what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And I explained to him the good news that in Jesus, um, the wrong things that we've done are dealt with. That Jesus, in his death on the cross, takes our wrong upon himself in order to offer us forgiveness, complete forgiveness and a relationship with God. And after I'd explained this briefly, my friend said, yes, but I've done too many wrong things in my life. God wouldn't accept me. And I tried again. I said, no, you don't, you don't understand. That's the point. It's not what we've done. We can't be good enough to be in a relationship with God. But Jesus takes us failure and all, and he deals with our sins on the cross. It's not what we've done, but it's what Jesus has done that puts us into relationship with God. And he said, yes, 
Tim, but I've done too many wrong things in my life. It was like a disconnect. Try as I might to go over it, explain it. He just, it does not compute. He was so aware of his failure and sin and wrong things that he just couldn't get it or accept it. And you might be the same. You might have these things in your head that you think, well, yes, the other stuff God might forgive, but not that deep secret or that shameful failure that I've got. So I want us to do an imagination exercise together. I want us to close our eyes and I want you to imagine yourself there walking on the beach with Jesus. So it's not Peter and Jesus, but it's you and Jesus. You're walking there by the Sea of Galilee. There's a gentle breeze blowing off the water. It's the early hours of the morning. The sun is just coming up. You're walking together and Jesus turns to you and he looks at you. Can you see his face? Can you imagine the look in Jesus' eyes as he looks at you? And he says, do you love me? He's not asking you, have you been good? He's not saying to you, have you made up for all of the failures in your life? He's just saying, do you love me? Do you love me? That's the only question and the criteria for a relationship with him. Do you love me? You can open your eyes. Jesus says, do you love me? And he holds out his hand offering us forgiveness and a relationship with him. And the only criteria for us is to receive that and to say, yes, Jesus, I do love you. I do want you to forgive me. And I do want a relationship with you. I'm conscious that there's, there's people here perhaps today who've never done that before. I met a guy recently who came to our Everyday Evangelism course who'd sat in church for seven years before it sunk in and he made the decision to follow Jesus. Uh, you might have lived your life up until now in a form of denial of Jesus, not in the same way that Peter denied him, but just living your life in a way which didn't put Jesus in charge of your life. Uh, and maybe today you want to say to Jesus, I do love you and I want to follow you. Uh, we use a little bit of a prayer uh, here uh, just as a way of explaining how you do that, how you make that step to be a follower of Jesus, which just uses the words sorry and thank you and please. Sorry, Jesus, that I haven't trusted you. Thank you that you love me and you offer me forgiveness. Please forgive me and help me to follow you. So I'm just going to pause and pray that prayer. You can pray it if you would like to pray it. Uh, and then if you do, have a chat to me, please, uh, at the end. So let me just pray as we pause here. Jesus, sorry for the ways in which I have failed to trust you. Thank you that you love me and that you offer me complete forgiveness. Please forgive me. And please help me to follow you. Again, if you've prayed that prayer, we'd love to chat to you after the service or, or speak to anyone you've seen up front uh, just as a way of guiding and helping you um, on this next stage in your journey with Jesus. So we've seen in the passage that Peter fails and then Jesus offers him forgiveness, but there's another step as well. You notice that I'm following the F's here, by the way. Failure, forgiveness, and then Jesus says, 
follow. The last two words of our passage in verse 19, Jesus says to Peter, follow me, follow me. If if Peter loves Jesus, then he should follow him, and that means a life dedicated to serving Jesus and living his way of life. In fact, Jesus says that Peter will follow him literally to death. There's this kind of cryptic conversation between Jesus and Peter at the end, which John, who's writing, interprets for us and says that this, when Jesus speaks about Peter's arms being stretched out and going where he doesn't want to go, it's a reference to the death that Peter will die. Uh, it's believed that Peter himself was crucified as Jesus was crucified, that under the Emperor Nero in Rome in uh, October 64 AD, thereabouts, that Peter was crucified because he followed Jesus and proclaimed the good news of forgiveness in Jesus. So Jesus says, follow me, and for you that's going to involve this life of sacrifice where you will die as I have died as you follow me. But he also gives him a specific job to do. He moves him from failure to forgiveness. He calls him to follow, and then he gives him a job to do, and his job is to feed. Three times after he says, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. He says, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. There are really three ways of saying the same thing. He's being asked to be a shepherd of God's people. Now, children, I need your help again, or adults, if you need to come to my rescue. Okay. So I'm going to be the shepherd. I'm going to hold the sheep. Oh, actually, Leon, do you want to be the shepherd? Do you want to come and do this with mum? All right. So Leon's going to be the shepherd. So you get to hold this crook. It's very big, isn't it? Yeah, don't whack anyone with it. All right. And you can tuck a sheep under your arm. Okay. So here's Leon who's being a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? What does a shepherd have to do? Call it out. What do shepherds have to do? What's their job? Oh, too many voices at once. Thank you for your contribution. Loud voice? Look after the sheep. So you've got to look after and take care of the sheep. What does that mean? How do you look after sheep? What do you need to do? Watch them. Feed them. Yep. Feed, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. You've got to give them things so that they can grow strong. Feeding them. Protect them. Yep. Sheep are really good at getting into stupid situations and getting into trouble. You've got to protect them, take care of them. What else? What about if a sheep's injured? Care for them, uh, offer healing and help. Very good. So when Jesus says to Peter, I want you to be like a shepherd, he's using an image that we see throughout the Bible where leaders of God's people are called to be shepherds. Um, In the Old Testament, Um, There's that language of God as um, being the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And he's saying to Peter, just as I have looked after and fed uh, my followers, I want you to do the same. I want you to be a shepherd to them. I want you to feed them God's word. And I want you to care for them, protect them, and look after them. That's what he's calling him to do. Thanks, Leon. That's very helpful. We'll, go and, we'll put this back. You can go and sit down. Thank you. So far from Peter's failure, excluding him from any meaningful ministry, 
Jesus actually puts him in a position of leadership and authority within his church, calling him to be a teacher, calling him to be a pastor and a shepherd. Uh, Through uh, this coming term, from next week onwards, the teaching series uh, throughout our parish is going to be from 1 Peter, the letter of 1 Peter, the letter that Peter wrote to the churches at his time. And this is a way in which Peter fulfilled the job that Jesus gave him to do. Jesus said, I want you to feed my sheep and take care of them. And one of the ways that Peter did that was writing this letter to the churches to encourage them in their faith, to feed them from God's word, to take care of them. And he'll do the same for us. He'll continue to offer feeding and help to us as we read it together and as we think about what it means. And in fact, Peter makes an explicit reference to this role in his letter. So in 1 Peter chapter 5, towards the end of the letter, he says, writing to the church, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Speaking to the leaders, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Not because you have to, but because you're willing as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, that's Jesus, when the chief shepherd Jesus appears, comes back, you'll receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So Jesus was a shepherd. He wants Peter to be a shepherd. And Peter's saying to others, I want you to be shepherds and look after, my, uh, look after the followers of Jesus as well. Uh, it's, a, it's a ministry that leaders are still called to exercise, but it's something that we all have a role in uh, as we minister together. Uh, the word pastoral care and pastor come from this idea of being shepherds and caring for God's followers, his sheep. So uh, life group leaders, as they teach and open God's word, are shepherding God's people. Our leaders out at St John's Kids and our youth leaders are doing the same. Our pastoral care support team, as they care for people in need, and all of us, as we speak words of encouragement to each other, uh, pray with each other, um, even as you eat morning tea this morning, there's a chance to feed each other from God's word, encourage each other, and pray with each other as we're ministers of the gospel together. So our role might not be exactly the same as Peter, but there's still a role. Jesus says, I want to take your failure and I want to forgive you. I want you to follow me, whatever that means, and you have a role in feeding and serving God's people with the particular gifts and abilities that he has given you. What are you being called to do? How can you play your role in following Jesus and feeding his sheep, feeding each other, helping each other to grow in a relationship with Jesus? All of us come with our failures. There is no one here who doesn't have a whole list of failures that we bring when we come to Jesus. All of us are in the same boat, receiving the forgiveness that Jesus offers being called to follow him together and then playing our part in feeding and helping each other, ministering to each other, serving 
in ways that match up with our gifts and our passions and our abilities, the way that Jesus is calling us as his followers. So let me pray for all of us as we do that together. Jesus, thank you that our failures don't define us. Thank you that you forgive us, that that is the point of your life and death and resurrection to offer us complete forgiveness. Please help us to follow you whatever the cost as Peter followed you. And please help us to play our part in feeding and caring for your sheep, each other, your church. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you've got any questions about this podcast, connect with us on our website, stjohnsdc.org.au or at facebook.com slash stjohnsdc. Don't forget, you can join us live in Diamond Creek every Sunday at 9.30am and 6pm.